And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, back with you. Busy hour of the show as we get you ready for the Chargers Raiders Monday Night Football. And what this game means, it means a lot, not only to both fan bases, but the NFL, everything that's coming down with Monday Night Football right here in front of us, another nationally televised game with the Raiders come in undefeated. And you think about that for a second, what the Raiders have accomplished so far this year, what the Raiders are trying to do going forward and how important this game is going to be. But as I said, I think the Raiders are playing now with house money. Nobody. I mean, nobody, even the biggest Raider, Homer, anybody thought the Raiders would be 3-0 and with that schedule. They have now become the only team in the history of the NFL to start off 3-0 and against three teams that won 10 games the year before. I mean, how does that happen? It's incredible. All right, I want to start off this hour with something I'm passionate about, a fan, being a fan. I'm just a fan behind the microphone. And my buddy, Andy Coppell, class action lawyer, a former Warrior season ticket holder, is a diehard fan. We go back to my days in the Bay Area. I'm involved with his group now. I want everybody to go to the website. This is very important to me. Golf tournament coming up this week, and I'll be at, and I'm a part of this group, jointhefan.com. Very easy, jointhefan.com. If you're a fan and you believe your voice should matter, this group is for you, jointhefan.com. Andy, thanks for coming on ahead of the golf tournament. Thanks for doing this. How are you? Hey, JT, thanks for the opportunity. Tell us your backstory quickly about you being a frustrated fan and how you came up with this concept to help fans going forward. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was a Laker fan my whole life until they signed Dwight Howard uh, about seven, eight years ago, and I knew Kobe was going to retire. So I took one of the last dozen season tickets, you know, up near the ceiling at at Oracle in, in Oakland, and I became a diehard Warriors fan. Um, about that time, I started to realize that like a lot of underrepresented groups, uh, you know, that I've, uh, fought for during my legal career, sports fans have never had a voice, never had someone speaking up for them, like lawyers and lobbyists, like the, uh, like the players and the teams and the leagues have, you know, everybody, the media, uh, sports companies, they all have people representing their interests, but sports fans, whether they're couch potatoes or soccer moms or season ticket holders have never had someone looking out for their special interests. So I moved to Vegas uh, pretty much the same time the Raiders did from the East Bay and got a fresh new start in, in, uh, in this area, making Vegas the epicenter for a new sports fan nation. Andy Coppell joins us. Andy, why do you think fans need to have a voice? When you look at these big, big topics in sports, Give our audience, audience an example where fans don't have a voice, in your opinion, and now need someone like you and this site at jointhefan.com to at least be able to talk about some of these big issues where they feel like they're underserved. Well, let, specifically, let's talk about the Warriors. Uh, and, and I'm still currently a season ticket holder. I'm trying mm-hmm. to dump my, my uh, personal license fees because the prices have just become outrageous. And because I live in Vegas, you know, sometimes I need to sell my tickets online. So Ticketmaster and StubHub, they charge huge resale fees to both the buyer and the seller. 
So I have to mark up my tickets like 25% just to get fair market value. Well, mm-hmm. what if an organization like mine, having hundreds of thousands, if not millions of members uh, uh, regionally, could strike a deal with Ticketmaster or StubHub just to knock off 1% of that 23% that is marked up? Imagine the hundreds, if not thousands of dollars that season ticket holders could save, not alone the uh, non-season ticket holders that are trying to buy tickets online. So, Andy, you asked me to be a part of this, and I jumped right in with a couple of other our other colleagues here because you know that I believe fans deserve to have a voice. So long-term, the vision of the fan is to get fans together in a group, have them sign up, be a part of a big, enormous family so they'll have rights and they'll be able to get their voices out and maybe change policy. But if you're a member of the fan, maybe you'll get a discount at a sporting event. Maybe you'll get a discount on apparel. Tell me the concept of the revenue stream going forward and how you're building this as a business. Okay. Well, first and foremost, we're going to be able to survey our members uh, which can join for free at jointhefan.com. We're going to be able to survey our members around the clock to find out what they're interested in, whether it's discounts with Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, whether it's uh, getting their, you know, their uh, ticket resale fees reduced, whether it's security at uh, Allegiant Stadium, whatever the issue of the day is that's important to our members uh, is what we will represent them on in front of the Las Vegas City Council, in front of yeah. the California legislature, testifying in Congress, wherever our voice needs to be heard. Um, as far as the revenue model for, for the fan, um, it is a free organization to join. But long term, we will have a Airbnb for sports fans. We'll have a dating site for sports fans. We'll have a free member-to-member betting flat, uh, platform where you don't have to play juice, but you can make a friendly small wager uh-huh. with someone in Norway if you're a hockey fan uh, following the uh, Golden Knights. Right. Um, it, it's all about building relationships between our members, getting them represented in, for, in front of the powers that be, and uh, we'll make money, but the more money we make, the more benefits we'll be able to give to our members. Andy Copel joins us from The Fan. I'm a part of this. I buy into this idea. I think it's a voice for the fan out there. And, Andy, one more thing. I love when you pitched me on this Airbnb concept. If you're a part of The Fan – if I wanted to go to the Ryder Cup last week with a couple of friends in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, I have no idea where to find a place. But if members of the fan in Wisconsin have an Airbnb, we would talk together on the site and help one another out. And a lot of people are coming to Vegas. You know, they're going to stay on the casino corridor, but it's fans talking together. So I love this concept. Jointhefan.com jointhefan.com. Tell us about the golf tournament coming up on Saturday. I want a lot of people in Vegas to sign up for this. We love to golf Saturday morning. I'll be out there with a bunch of our partners. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a very early start on Saturday morning at Angel Park Golf Club in in Summerlin. Um, We actually have a 7.30 a.m. shotgun start uh, preceded by a 6 to 7 a.m. registration with a Tito's Bloody Mary bar um, following the, uh, the shotgun We'll have an awards uh, lunch. Hopefully, with, with J, JT, will make a, a, a speech or two. Um, the most exciting thing is that there is a guaranteed grand prize. One foursome will win a all-expenses-paid trip to Orlando to compete in the NFL Alumni Super Bowl of Golf, which is sponsored by wow. the Moreland Greenwood Foundation and, uh, and the NFL local alumni chapter. 
Excellent. So to be, get involved with the golf, to get involved with the fan, we all go to jointhefan.com. Jointhefan.com. All the information is there. You can also sign up, buy a way into the golf tournament, and be a part of it. Yeah, um, specifically if, uh, if your first 25 uh, callers um, or listeners register um, using a promo code, which I'll give you right now, mm-hmm. it would be JTFAN. 25 that's jtfan 25 they'll get 25 dollars off um, the registration fee and uh, mm-hmm. very excited because our our spots are filling up relatively quickly but we're hoping that the more than 30 vendors that'll be out there ranging again from tito's to red bull to uh you know a bunch of sports related companies in vegas mm-hmm. this is all really about you know creating relationships that start in Vegas, where Vegas is our epicenter, and this nation grows globally. Well, I'm a fan. We go back a long way. I know you as a person who I trust. I'm, a, I'm proud to be a part of jointhefan.com. I'm proud to be a fan. Go look at this for all of our listeners streaming the show or in Vegas. Come out and play golf on Saturday. All your information is at jointhefan.com. Thanks for doing this, Andy. We'll be having you on in the future and see you out there Saturday. JT, thanks again for the opportunity. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Andy Copel, really a class action attorney who said, I've had enough. I've had enough as a fan. we got to put together a huge fan base to get our voices out there. And that's kind of what I'm about. So I'm all behind this. Jointhefan.com. Come on out and play golf with me on Saturday. And all my buddies who are going to be there, including my buddy Todd at Wahoo's Fish Taco. They got a promotion going on for the Monday night football game. They're going to have a big giveaway. They're giving away Raiders jerseys at every Wahoo six locations in the Valley. Receive a chance to win by hitting any $100 or more poker or kino hit on any purchase of $25 or more in food or beverage. That is Wahoo's Fish Tacos, six locations in the Valley. Let's get back to the game. The Chargers, how do the Raiders beat the Chargers? Got big guests coming in. Jim Plunkett Friday. Bill Romanowski coming in. John Gruden on Friday, and Gilbert Manzana, and another. We got two Charger insiders coming in. Gilbert, Scott Kaplan, who covers the Chargers on ESPN LA. We're going to play this game up big. It is a really big game for the Raiders. I did not expect the Raiders to be 3-0 and going into Monday night football. I don't think they'll steal this game. I think this is a game, it reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh game. It does. The Pittsburgh Steelers were a better team than the Raiders last year. And we saw now that the Raiders are better. And I think a lot of people know that the Raiders were better than the Chargers last year. And there are a lot of people who think the Chargers are better than the Raiders now. And the only way to quiet them down is for the Raiders to get a win. The line opened up Chargers minus three. Now the hook has been added. It's Chargers minus three and a half. Total on that game went from 53 to uh, to 52 and a half, depending on where you're shopping. So once again, the Raiders are an underdog. Once again, the Raiders are a road underdog, and they're going to have to quiet the critics down. Let's get your opinion on this. 702-365-9200. Reggie in North Vegas. We got, Reggie is gone. <laughs> that opens up a phone line at 702-365-9200. If you're on hold, you got to remain on hold so I can get to your call after that. Radio 101. Thanks to Andy Copel for joining us on the fan. We'll get into that more and more of what needs to happen to come together as a fan fan base. Raider Nation has got one of the largest fan bases 
in all of sports. And now we got a couple of Raider fans today opening up the show, worried about other fans coming to the stadium. Wow, that'd be a good problem for other teams to have here. You know how many Golden Knights, non-Golden Knight fans come to Golden Knights games? You ever been to a Vancouver game there or Toronto? Have you been to a Flyers game? I didn't hear anybody complaining. It holds 18,000. I've seen 4,000 Flyer fans come in there. Who cares? Plenty of Golden Knight fans. Place is loud. It's intense. It's very intense. So you're going to have opposing fans coming to Vegas, and I think uh, the national media understands that. I don't know if our local media or our local fans understand that. I don't know if they do yet. I think we haven't had professional sports in Vegas. We just have a baby brand-new hockey team. We have one of the biggest brands in professional sports, the Raiders, here. When this town, are you going to compare that to a crowd at at the Silver Bowl for UNLV football for the last 20 years? Nobody's there. Literally nobody. Nobody. You can walk around the concourse and literally not see a human being for three or four sections. And now we're worried about a couple of Dolphin fans with Dan Marino jerseys? Shake their hand. Say thank you for coming to Vegas. And let them buy you a drink. When we come back, we'll get into pro football focus and some of the grades out there and a recap of Monday Night Football. Big win for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are not going to look back. They're going to win that division very easily because of the chaos in the NFC East. We're brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed with time, effort, and determination to create the model Mexican lager. On Friday, I drink a bucket of Modelo's And I get fired up for Raider Nation. Barber's a running back. Gets the handoff. Jumps over the top. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. The godfather, Brent Musburger, on the call. Really... Uh, One of the big blessings of my career is throwing it to Brent Musburger and then him throwing it to me on the post-game show. And it's really a big deal for me because, you know, he was the face and voice of my youth as a sportscaster, legend, just unbelievable gentleman. And he calls the game, and I try to get up there in the fourth quarter to stand behind him and his son Scott and Lincoln Kennedy to watch a little bit of the game up there before I head. Now we're moving to the Modelo Cantina. So if you're a club member, if you're at the Twitch Lounge or Modelo, if you're there after the game, we're doing a post-game show for well over an hour, Eric Allen and I, which is really cool. So we get to do it. In, in Oakland, we did it at the West Side Club. Where for whatever reason, they wanted us out of there like in 10 minutes. I always said this in Oakland. My head's going to pop when I tell you this story. After the game, the Raider game, in Oakland, we do the post-game show from the West Side Club. And I don't know what this was, like 1999 to 2003 or four. We have Jim Plunkett on. And the people there would ask everybody to leave. I'd be like, you're Oakland, man. Like everybody, there were four deep at the bar a half hour after the game. These, these servers, these bartenders, these women and men are making all these big tips. Raiders are winning a game. People are pull, pulling out hundreds trying to get a shot of tequila. And the people would come in and go, you got to go. And we just start our post game. I'm like, why are we here? Now it's Vegas. It's the opposite. The win clubs going off for two hours. The clubs, Modelo and Twitch are wide open. They're not telling you, hey, please leave, please leave, please leave. Go to Bart. 
They're saying stay, stay, stay and spend your money. It's really refreshing. So if you're a Modelo club side or if you're on Twitch, you can get in on that other side. Come see Eric Allen and myself after a game. Uh, Monday night will be at M Resort Casino and Spa. We're right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. And that's a good deal on Monday night. You can get dinner. You can get lunch. Get there early and go see what we do. And then afterwards, you can go to any of the fine restaurants there at M which I think you'll be very impressed with. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. I wanted to recap quickly Monday Night Football from Pro Football Focus. Ben Lindsay kind enough to join us again. And, Ben, let's jump into the game last night. Zeke Elliott now has Pollard to split some of these carries, which, which I think it's a good new look for the Dallas Cowboys to save Zeke till later in the season when they need him. How do you see it? Yeah, I think having those two guys – who they can sort of bounce back and forth, cycle in and out of the lineup, it's only going to help Zeke. He, he's logged a lot of touches to start his NFL career. I think entering this year, he was the only running back in the league with a 1,000 touches the past three years. So having Pollard, who, who not only can spell him, but can play at a really high level. Um, he's been one of our highest-graded running backs. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They can move him around a little bit, and he can run between the tackles. I think it definitely helps the Cowboys having both of those guys in there. And when you look at running backs, let's stay with running backs here as we get going. Obviously, Henry's the best running back, I believe, in football. Can you give me another running back or two that you're surprised with through three weeks that's really getting productive yardage, helping their team in the red zone, maybe one or two that we weren't aware of coming into the season? Yeah, the the one guy who's impressed, this year uh, is Joe Mixon uh, to me. The Bengals are really leaning on him a lot in that run game. They have one of the higher run rates in the league, uh, and he's produced so far. It, he's a guy who's sort of underwhelmed a little bit the past couple years. He's dealt with some injuries, um, but it looks like he's healthy. And even though that offensive line isn't great yet, it's a little bit better than it was last year, he's still put up some pretty big numbers. Ben Lindsay is our guest, Pro Football Focus. I know you tweeted out about Justin Fields. In the first half, four pass attempts, four sacks taken. Look, we're dealing with a lot of conspiracy theorists, Ben, and you guys are the exact opposite of that. Well, I love pro football focus is you look at tape, you look at numbers, and you don't give out opinions per se. You look at the stats before you form your opinions. And Matt Nagy's getting just destroyed by the media for either trying to torpedo fields or not even put him in the best situation. I had Mark Carrier on last night, the former Bears' great safety, and he said if they were going to start him, and they did, they got to run more RPOs and run more plays beneficial to him. What would you see in the tape after that disgusting performance by the Bears and what happened to him? Yeah, that was one of the ugliest offensive performances I've, I've seen. Uh, I think it was one net yard passing. And anytime you have a performance that bad, it, it's going to come back to not only Nagy and the play calling, but also on fields. Um, I do think they could have done a better job uh, of setting him up for success, they were their offensive line was clearly at a disadvantage going up against Miles Garrett, going up against David Clowney, and they were still sort of putting guys like Jason Peters, um, who I, I think 39 years old, obviously not the Jason Peters that we saw for a lot of his career in one-on-one situations against Miles Garrett, uh, and that's just not going to work. Um, but also Fields has there were a few situations in sacks he took where he could have got the ball out a little bit earlier. Um, so it's just sort of a combination of those two things. And it's why they started Dalton early in the year. I do think Fields gives them a better chance to produce explosive plays. But they obviously just didn't feel comfortable 
with him behind that offensive line, which is one of the worst in the league. Ben Lindsay is our guest, pro football focus, one of their great analysts. You know, I'm out here in Vegas where Derek Carr has over 1,200 yards already. What concerns me is he's been fabulous at spreading the ball out. Everyone's getting targeted, and everybody's stepping up. As you know, Ruggs, Renthrow, Edwards, Waller, everybody's catching balls. Everybody's happy, but I'm worried about the Raiders' offensive line, especially on the edge with Leatherwood, the injuries on the interior. How much longer can Carr stay in the pocket, run out of the pocket, before one of these teams, such as the Chargers or the Bears the following week, really start sending a lot of blitzes at him and try to take him out? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been excellent so far this year. Um, it, it, the offensive line is that weak point on offense that teams can attack, but they've also played a couple defenses like Pittsburgh, like Miami, who are going to send pressure uh, and come after him, and he's held up well in those situations. I think the sort of the variety they have at receiver and, and the different types of receivers they have with Renfro, with Waller, um, the Speedster and Ruggs, Edwards, who can go up and get contested catches, sort of having that mix and different guys that they can go to in different situations has really helped that offense. And those younger guys, Ruggs, Edwards, are stepping up. Um, so I think it is sustainable, even if the offensive line is a little bit shaky with the way Carr's playing right now. Ben, I want to move to a couple other quarterbacks and get a few in here. Patrick Mahomes, uh, this team trails off and early, which is shocking to me because their body clock is fine. They know the playbook. I don't know why they start slow, but this is a team that could come back from double digits very quickly. Is the league catching up to them in their scheme when they're trailing and what they do? Are they becoming predictable? Because I think going out and getting Josh Gordon shows a little bit of desperation. He's a great player, but you can't count on him. What are you seeing with the Chiefs' offense, which is different from the last two years? Yeah, I don't think it's as much them becoming predictable um, schematically as it is teams know who they're going to go to in the passing game. They have Tyreek Hill, they have Travis Kelsey, and that's the best one-two punch at receiver in football. But they don't really have anything else beyond that. And that's why you mm-hmm. saw them go out and get Josh Gordon um, sort, of, sort of looking for answers because when teams are able to take away those guys, and we've seen the last few weeks, Tyreek Hill hasn't done a ton that's contributed a lot uh, to those two losses. Um, so when teams are able to take them away, like Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, and get pressure on an offensive line that has five new starters going into the year, even with all the resources they put into that this offseason, that's still a group that takes some time to come together. It has some younger guys on the right side. Uh, so I, I think it was it, the, the concerns you're really seeing are depth, and mm-hmm. especially if, if someone like Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill goes down with an injury. Uh, let's go to Daniel Jones of the Giants. He's thrown for almost 800 yards, and he has a quarterback rating of 94.3. I think he's really mobile. Jason Garrett's killing this kid. I mean, Jason Garrett's got to open up the playbook. They're 0-3. They can't be playing conservative. Daniel Jones, if I have this right, yeah, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, what's going on? I mean, Garrett's there. Joe Judge is going to lose his job if he lets Jason Garrett get more and more conservative here. The Mara family and the Tisch family are looking down from the owner's box saying, what are we doing here? We can't put up points against Atlanta. What did you see with the Giants? How concerning is this for Daniel Jones? Maybe getting pulled eventually because he can't win. Yeah, Jones is an interesting case because over the last year and to begin this year, he has has been impressive in, in spots. But the situation is just so bad not only with the play calling, like you mentioned, but with the offensive line 
it, it really limits what they're able to do. And I know they've, they've thrown resources at that offensive line by drafting Andrew Thomas, um, by trading for a bunch of guys right before the season. Uh, but it's still one of the worst groups in football. So it's a situation where you sort of have to get rid of the ball fast um, or else defenses are going to get there. And when defenses get there, we've seen that Jones will sit in there, take sacks, fumble the ball in the pocket. Uh, so it really keeps you away from doing the downfield or attempting those downfield passes where we've seen him have success uh, the past few years. My favorite stat that I live on, and it's really my crutch on sports radio, is defense points per game. How many points does your defense give up? And there's only one team that's given up less than 10 points a game. Carolina's given up 10. They're ranked second. Denver at 8.7. Now, they've played the Giants and the Jets. I have to remind everybody, they've played the (laughs) Giants and the Jets, who are combined 0-6. But Vic Fangio and that defense is completely locked in, and Teddy Bridgewater isn't turning it over. Give me your analysis of the Broncos. Yeah, the Giants, Jets, and Jaguars, I believe, which right. isn't exactly the, <laughs> the toughest uh, opposing stretch of offenses with the way Trevor Lawrence is playing right now and those other two offenses. Um, but coming into the year, we expected Denver's defense to be good. The big question with Denver was what were they going to get out of quarterback? Uh, because a lot of the rest of the roster is already there in place. Uh, with Von Miller coming back, they have a, a pretty impressive defensive front. They have one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL – so even though they haven't played a t- tough test to open the year, I expect their defense will still continue to be one of the league's best throughout the year with Vic Fangio there. Uh, the, the thing I'm more worried about is whether Teddy Bridgewater can keep playing the way he's played so far on offense. He's been pushing the ball downfield a little bit more, um, but they have lost a few receivers with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler going down now. Um, so I think that's the area where we might see a little bit more regression than on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, Ben, finally, as we wrap this up, you know, I look at some of these stats. We're talking to Ben Lindsay, who does a great job, pro football focus. Uh, teams giving up points. Kansas City's dead last. They're giving up almost 32, 31.7. But what about the Buccaneers? I know they got an injury on the back end. They're giving up 29.3 points a game. Brady leads the league in touchdown passes, but what's up with this Bucks defense? Because I know how stout they are up front. They have great linebackers, but are they leaking a little bit in the secondary? Yeah, that's the big difference from last year to this year is the secondary. With Sean Murphy Bunning and Jamel Dean uh, leaving the game last week against Los Angeles, they're getting really thin in the secondary, and that's why you see Richard Sherman going to visit Tampa Bay today. They're sort of looking for answers on that back end. And even if they can get keep, get pressure up front with Vita Vea, with JPP, with uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, we've seen teams just get open against them, provide open throws quickly, and it sort of neutralizes that pass rush a little bit. Um, so they need some of those guys to get back healthy in the secondary and start playing like they were last year. I ask all the pro uh, pro football focus guys the same thing on the way out because I was the first to sign up, the first to believe in this. I believe truly on a national level. Give me one big thing you're watching heading into week four. Give me one super stat or something that you're charting and watching this week heading into week four. I've got to go to Brady's return uh, in New England. And I think the big thing in that game – is we've seen these last few years when he's sort of come out and lay eggs a couple times um, against Miami with Flores in that Week 17 game and against Patricia's defense back in 2018. It's been sort of guys from the Belichick tree. That's two of his three lowest in the past three years. Um, So it'll be interesting to see that chess match between him and against Belichick and that defense and sort of who comes out on top there.
Follow him at PFF underscore Lindsay, L-I-N-S-E-Y. Ben Lindsay, thanks a lot for joining us. Talk to you down the road, my friend. Appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. Yeah, he's real good. Again, why do I put the pro football focus guys on? John Gruden always mentions, John Gruden always mentions that, that during a press conference, you know, he'll say something snarky like the pro football focus thing. I like pro football focus. I'm signed up. I'm one of their members. I look at the stats every day. I prep for the show every day. I remind you of this if you're new to the show. I read 10 sports pages every day because that's kind of like my freak thing. They're the same 10 sports pages that I started reading from USSportsPages.com years ago. I don't read the high school notes. I don't read about cricket. I don't read about the local tennis. I read the headline stories because there are men and women in those markets in Atlanta, in Boston, especially New York, L.A., Bill Platsky, whoever's out there that I like to read to get in a rhythm to see what's going on with my prep. And then I watch Pardon the Interruption. I DVR that. And then I'm always on the radio. I'm on the radio five hours a day. People come and ask questions. JT, how do you know this or how do you prep for your show? I'm always on the radio. There is no prep. Last night, the game's on. Philadelphia, Dallas, I'm on the air. I'm watching the game live with you. So that's my prep. I don't have to wake up at 5 in the morning and go back and watch Philly, Dallas. I watched it live. I was on the air. But the pro football focus guys, they give us stats, and they look at each individual play. So they can tell if your right guard is any good. They either grade them high, medium, or, or bad, badly. So you look at all those charts and ratings, you know how a team is doing. So it really adds a lot of value to me because when a caller calls in from Minnesota and says, hey, JT, our offensive line isn't playing well, I go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Pro Football Focus has them rated top eight or this or that. Just, you know, it's a common example. Pro Football Focus does a really good job. And now this year, I think there are a lot of big injuries, a lot of big injuries to teams, and there's an extra game, right? So we go from 16 to 17 games. This was the year where undrafted free agents were more important than ever. More important than ever. And this was also the year where adding, keeping your players to your practice squad and not losing them to other teams was very important too because practice squad guys are going to play. Right? We all agree on this. Unless your team is completely healthy, practice squad players are going to come up. And I love short-term injured reserve. I love the fact that you can take a player and who gets injured, and he's not gone for the year. He goes on IR, and he's gone for the year. He can't play in December and January. Now you can bring a player back if he heals, and and he's okay, and it wasn't that significant of an injury, but you can put him on short-term IR and bring one of your players up and have the depth that you need. The game's evolving, even that way with rosters. The game is evolving even today with rosters, and I think the league understands a lot of guys are going to get hurt with that extra game. That's why teams don't play much in the preseason. We saw that this year, and some teams are starting off very slow. You ask, who are the teams that are starting off slowly this year? Kansas City's the biggest example. There's no bigger example than Kansas City. They're one and two. I had them going 13 and four. 13 and four and winning the AFC West easily. What I mean by that is at least two or three games. Raiders are three and oh, Denver's three and oh, so what? Kansas City has been the best team by a long shot. So now instead of them winning 13 games, I got them winning 12. Now if they lose another one and go 1-3, and three, then, then I'm wrong. Then Kansas City could be competing for a wild card. They've been one of the best teams in football. Indianapolis is a team I had in the playoffs. Had them in the playoffs. 
They're 0-3. They're playing themselves out of the playoffs. I didn't have Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They're 1-2. They've started off slowly. And I'm only talking about the good teams. I'm not mentioning the Jets, the Giants, and Jacksonville. The other big surprise, I think, for everybody out there when we look at the NFC now is quietly Seattle. Seattle has lost two in a row. They're 1-2. they got to be careful because the Rams are looking to run away with the NFC West after that game against Tampa. And Arizona's 3-0. So Seattle trails Arizona by two in the loss column. They got to keep an eye on their record. Thanks again to Ben. I love me some pro football focus. And I love me a 3-0 and start for the Raiders because there's not a lot of noise around the media this week. And there was a tremendous amount of noise when it came to the Raiders coming out of preseason going into those first couple of games. Now we're hearing a lot of fans excited about it, optimistic about everybody. You know, again, I've been really worked up for this show today. A couple of people got me going early, but it was about a week ago today where I got the call from the family of the black hole that Rob Rivera was about to pass, and it hurt. That was a week of my life that was so painful, and I woke up today on Facebook, Facebook Memories. I tweeted out the picture. Eight years ago today, I had a book signing for my book, The Handoff, and Rob Rivera showed up. We took a nice picture, and I posted that today at JT the Brick, and it made me feel good about Rob and the fact that the Raiders put up a picture of Rob, put that picture up there on the Jumbotron. They're called video boards now. No more Jumbotron. All throughout the stadium. Made me feel great. And there was a dove release by Cisco and the Black Hole, and the balloons were released from the parking lot for my friend who passed away a week ago tomorrow. So it's been a long week, but the black hole has given everybody strength here. And the Raiders are undefeated. The stadium looked great. Now the Raiders go on the road for a home game in Inglewood. That will remain a Raiders home game for the test of time. If the Raiders keep winning, uh, the Raider fan base in Los Angeles will never falter. And the, the Chargers will never catch the Raiders in L.A. I don't think the Rams will catch the Raiders in L.A. either. But the Rams got good momentum. They got a good team. They spent a lot of money on that stadium, and the Rams have fans. They've been around a long time. But the Raiders are the team of record in Southern California. And now they have a short commute to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. They can drive or fly and come here whenever they want. Fantastic. Uh, thanks again to Ben Lindsley. He's a good guest to have on. We put the pro football focus guys on often, and I, I like them because they, they make us think more when it comes to stats and analysis. 702-365-9200. I'm open coming up next till the top of the hour. Let's get you on here until the top of the hour. Q's coming up, and then Vinny will be on after that. Uh, remember the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. Lowest prices in the valley. Great vehicles, the award-winning Hyundais, crossover vehicles, even luxury vehicles, pre-owned, anything you want. Just go out. Go out deep into Henderson Boulder Highway. Find the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, 460 North Boulder Highway. Proud partner of our show. They go empty. Set goes empty on this one. Indicating he is. He's going to throw it. Far out, and it's going to be a safety. Safety, baby. Out of way, Hayward. That's the veteran, baby. Hit him in the end zone. Stupid call, and it's a safety. Stupid call. Wow. The godfather. 
the godfather coming in there, Brent Musburger, calling it live. Calling it live. That stupid play. It really was a reckless play. Really was a reckless play at that time by a team that was in complete control of the game. I mean, you think about that. They're backed up. They're in their end zone. They got a good quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. He's a good player. He's big. He's probably smarter. He's not going to get sacked in the end zone. He can throw one downfield, throw one like a quick little in route, and he decides to throw it in the end zone. That changed the momentum of the game. And as much as we've talked about the stadium today and what's been happening with the stadium and the fans and who's coming or not, I thought the crowd was as quiet as I'd seen it the entire time. Last year it was empty. This year there's only one game before that Baltimore. Then the Miami game, I thought the crowd was as dead as it will ever be in Raider history in Vegas. You know, coming off that 14 to nothing lead for Miami. And Hayward made, I think we'd all say Hayward made the best play of the year for the Raiders. That was the biggest play of the year. And I couldn't believe the stat on that safety being the first safety that wasn't off, you know, on a completed pass in the end zone. I mean, come on. The Raiders have all these bizarre stats that are good this year that have fallen in their favor. The only team ever to win their first three games against teams that had 10 wins. That safety and the uniqueness of that, a completed pass in the end zone, not a turnover, a fumble outside scoring, not a sack, a strip sack. Tell you, the football gods have been looking down. From John Gruden yesterday, now going into the Charger game, this offensive line is going to have to play at the highest level they played to get a win. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting there. You know, we uh, we need to put a complete performance together. That's what uh, that's what we need to do. And we've had spurts where it's been pretty doggone good, and it's been there's been spurts where it needs to be better. But uh, it's a young group. They're playing some formidable defenses, some good players, and a lot of looks. And um, I think we're getting better, which is encouraging. We're still inexperienced and young at some positions. But, you know, Leatherwood is working with a guy that just got here. Andre's really started half a dozen games in his career. The snap accuracy wasn't as good as it needs to be yesterday. And John Simpson's a young player. So it's going to take some time. Development doesn't happen overnight. uh, But we're getting better. I think that's the best way to sum it up. If you look at the Raiders' offensive line, there's been plenty of good to 3-0. Come on, there's plenty of good things that have happened with this old line protecting Carr. Carr leads the league in passing. And they don't have Josh Jacobs and his scheme and his blitz pickups or at least just being there to help out and look at the coverage and the protection there. So there has been some good, but lately I think there's been a couple of holes on this offensive line that Coach Gruden is aware of. Also, he previews the Chargers with the emotion of getting up for this game and with the Raider fans being in attendance there in L.A., it'll help. Well, they got some guys on their team that are looking forward to playing against those guys you're thinking about. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's how you look at it. You know, I'm sure our guys are excited to go up against their former team, and I'm sure they feel very excited to, to go up against these guys. So it'll be an emotional game. It always is when we play the Chargers, and um, we're looking forward to it. It'll be a great challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge there. What a game. I, I thought this game would be a huge game, but I didn't expect the Raiders to be 3-0 and coming into it. So 3-0 and is just a great best-case scenario for the Silver and Black, plus Casey Hayward uh, going back to where he played with the Chargers and had success as a two-time Pro Bowler. Coach Gruden pointed him out. Well, he's a good player. You know, that's the one thing we're, we're missing. He, these guys are not just former Chargers or Gus Bradley. These are good players. You know, we, we thought Hayward was a problem for us 
twice a year when we played against them. Uh, we had a lot of respect for Perryman when we played against them. So it's good to have him here. Uh, he's a solid player. He's a good cover guy. He's smart. He sees it. He, he sees route patterns develop. He's been a great tackler. He doesn't give up big plays. And um, he's been a great acquisition in the locker room and behind the scenes, too. So we're happy to have him. Now, one more from Coach Gruden on Andre James and the bad snaps of the inconsistencies. This is big because it could put Derek Carr in a much more difficult situation. If he has to grab a ball with one hand, he has to take his eyes off the pass rush and all of that, and it's something that they're working on hard. Well, we practice a lot. You know, you're not always out there, but we we probably get as many reps as anybody in the league, and uh, we're not going to make any excuses. You know, this is the National Football League, and we've had one over our head in Baltimore in the scoring zone. We've had one over our head against Miami, and those those plays put the quarterback in serious jeopardy. And plus, it's a it's a horrific loss of yardage. So we got to do a better job. Period. Andre knows it. We all know it. And we expect him to get better at it. Well, there's a lot to cover here this week. Joey, Joey Bosa and that pass rush is formidable. And Carr, it's got to be moving outside the pocket. Eric Allen, who I host pre- and post-game with, we were talking about Derek making bigger throws on the run and moving the pocket. Eric was a big believer in that in the last game when the game was starting to slip away. As Miami was making those comebacks, Eric Wanted to see the pocket move a little bit more. Maybe Derek get outside the pocket instead of running the ball, picking up a couple of first downs. Uh, that's one of the things we will be talking about the remainder of this week. Ruben in Vegas. What's happening, Ruben? Thanks for coming in. Hey, JT. Uh, just call checking in. A good little interview with Marion. As much as much as everyone hated him, man, I would have loved to have seen Sean Marion and mm-hmm. Silver and Blackman. He had that fierceness. That, 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 to me, he felt like a Raider, even though he was on the Chokers. You know, just playing him back in the day was always fun to watch. Uh, as for the stadium thing with the fans, man, that's going to happen. This is, like you said, this is Vegas. You you watch Cowboy games on TV, and you see a lot of offensive fans also there in Dallas because it's a beautiful stadium. It's a big complex and whatnot. So, I mean, with Vegas, it's going to happen. You know, we just have fun with it, guys. You know, yeah, we're not in Oakland no more, but just have fun with it. You know, nothing wrong with trash talking back and forth. It's all in good fun. After yeah. the game Monday night, uh, I can't wait, man. You know, one game at a time. We're taking over uh, Southern Cali, like you said, so far. Monday night football, national stage. And I believe, JT, is this true? I've been seeing uh, little signs here around town. Are they going to mm-hmm. show the game locally on, on News 3? You know anything about that? Uh, it's Monday night football. So Monday night football will be on ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, ESPN. But yeah. I've been seeing a couple of billboards around saying News 3. Uh, Monday yeah, night. I'm, I'm not aware of that. I'll find out if that's true. Great. But, uh, again, Monday Night Football has always been pretty exclusive there. Maybe they're having pre and post or something there that I'm not aware of, but I'll find out for you. Thank you, JT. You have a good day. Go Raiders. You got it. Appreciate it. You know, the fan thing got me a little bit triggered earlier today because I started off the show. Sometimes I send out a pre-show tweet, and I posted a picture Sean Merriman was coming up, and then there were just a couple of heinous remarks about a friend of mine and a guest of the show, guy who lives in Vegas now. Guy does a tremendous amount of charity work. And I'm like, give me a break. Let's hear what the guy has to say. It was a great interview. I think everybody appreciated it. One of the things I'm excited about with this new stadium, for years I always had a deal on my national show with fans calling in saying, hey, JT, I went to a game and I got in a fight. Someone beat me up. Someone in the parking lot threw something at me. And I would always say the same thing. I wasn't there. 
I don't know what happened to you. I mean, maybe it's true or not, but I can't put people on the radio who I don't know and haven't been vetted saying, you know, I sat in section 305 and some guy threw a punch at me. He could be making it up or it could be accurate. But if I'm not there and I didn't see it, I'm not putting that on my radio show. So now what a lot of people do is if you go online, they have these interesting little sites, baseballfights.com and all of this, and they show fights among fans. The Cleveland Browns had a melee fight, and it was Cleveland versus Cleveland fans who were fighting in Cleveland's Muni parking lot. And that went viral, and there was a big, big fight, huge fight, early at a Rams game. I think it was the first game for the Rams or their last preseason game where Rams fans were fighting each other, and it was really violent. I mean, it was a fight that got out of control. You're not seeing any of that at Allegiant Stadium. None of it. You don't see it all over the internet or anything like that. It's a different venue, and people are enjoying it. They're really enjoying the experience there, the tailgating, what happens outside, what happens inside. And they're off to a great start with fans, so we appreciate that. Uh, thanks to all of our partners who are a big part of the show. Acquire Interactive, Constellation Brands with all Modelo and all their great beers and products. PT's Golden Entertainment, Henderson Hyundai, Tommy White and the 872 Laborers, M Resort, Remy Quantro, Sam and Ash, Wahoo's Fish Tacos, and Woodson Whiskey, and our newest partner, Doghouse Inside Resorts World. Have a great day, everybody. Cues on deck. You guys have a good day, man. See you.